kept reading NFT, NFT. I did not know what NFT stood for or what it meant. And I would Google it, zero results. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it, it took like effort to yeah. figure out what does NFT even stand for, yeah. let alone like what does it mean once you understand what it stood for. And I, it was Hicket Nunk that mm -hmm. uh, initially got me started. That was Corey Haber. I'm Eli Scheinman, and welcome to Proof's Artist Profile Series. When you think about generative artists in this moment in time, Corey is one of the most prolific in the space. I had an opportunity to sit down with him in person in New York City, and we had an amazing discussion about what it means to be both a technologist and an artist. And as you'll find out, and as I found fascinating, also a gardener, immersed deeply in his natural environment as well. And that comes through in his work and in this conversation. Corey's really an interesting and dynamic human and getting to hear about his process, his evolving Pixels collection singularity, and really go deep on his background was a joy. And I think you'll enjoy this interview as well. Uh, please enjoy. My name is Corey Haber. I'm a generative artist based in New York. Um, and I'm, I generally work out of my home um, where I do a lot of plotter work and, and all of the programming. Outstanding. So let's, uh, let's go all the way back for a moment or, or quite far back. Uh, where did your, your fascination with computers and engineering uh, really start? So my sort of fascination with uh, programming really began in college. Um, I was somewhat into electronics and I, would, uh, I was very fond of breaking open uh, cell phones at the time and soldering lights into them oh, and, interesting. and doing like fun kind of things like that. Um, I decided to take an intro to Java programming course in college and absolutely hated it. Mm. I, I just, it didn't click at the time, mm -hmm. uh, didn't really understand what was going on. And uh, I gave up on, on sort of the idea of pursuing computer science after that. It wasn't until many years after graduating college um, that I sort of, I, I was in the technology field, but mm. not as a developer. Um, and I, I actually went back to school for software development. Mm. And um, I just knew there was something there that I really wanted to pursue. I wasn't quite sure what it was. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's sort of what got me started in, in yeah. software development. Okay, so you, you went to college, but not as an, as an engineer initially, worked in, in technology, but again, not as a software engineer, uh, but then ultimately decided to go back to, to do that education. What was the, was there a thing that was really driving you to step away from maybe your current work and, and go back to school? Um, I think, you know, working in technology, maybe more on the product side, mm -hmm. I had a lot of ideas in my head that I wanted to turn into products, mm. but I couldn't do it on my own. I was always finding myself uh, looking to hire a developer yeah. to take these ideas and bring them to life. So I wanted to be the one to be able to do that. Uh, so that was sort of my impetus for going back to school. Yep. Um, and I knew uh, it was something that, that I could do. And I knew it was something mm. sort of like deep inside me that I had always wanted to do, but I was so scared of, of computer science when I was you yeah. know, back in college. So um, I had an opportunity, sort of a window uh, had opened up for me where I could sort of uh, step away from work, go back to school mm -hmm. and, and pursue this. Yeah, fascinating. Having worked in product for a number of years, it's funny how I've experienced the same, which is you have these ideas, these things you'd love to get done, but in most cases you're sort of beholden to a roadmap and priority. And unless you have those skills yourselves, you can't just 
sort of go off and build them and explore them independently. Yeah. You're perpetually reliant on your colleagues, which is great, uh, but but also means uh, you have a little bit less agency in, in the process. Yeah, and I, I think added to that is the fact that starting from uh, college, um, I'd started maybe seven companies with my brother oh, wow. over time, several different businesses. So that's also where we had these ideas, but sure. we always had to yeah. go to someone else. And I was more the technology focused of, of the duo, um, but I couldn't build the things sure. that we were trying to build. So it was frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, that, that you started playing around with generative art and, and, and code as, as sort of a form of art, as well as plotters very early. Talk to me how you started to explore what it means to use code to create art way back. Where did that come from? Did you see others doing it? Uh, sort of how did that uh, originate? Sure. So uh, sort of the way I got into um, generative art was very roundabout. Uh, I hadn't seen anyone doing it. I didn't even know it was a thing um, until pretty much right after I graduated from uh, the program that I, that I went through. Um, I discovered Dan Schiffman mm -hmm. on YouTube. And I said, you can make art with code? I didn't even realize that that was a thing. And yeah. I, I had grown up sort of with an art background. Mm. I was actually an art major in college mm. for one semester <laughs> before dropping it. So I tried all these things when I was younger. Um, and so when I saw sort of the coding train and Dan Schiffman and I had this sort of aha moment, like, wow, like I'm going to do that. Mm. You know, so I was going to sort of pursue this, uh, this multi-track uh, path of of finding a career in software development, but also on the side, mm. learning and understanding more how I could make art with code. Fascinating. And you mentioned to me that in 2014, you started uh, exploring some of this. Uh, talk to me about those early days, getting your first plotter. Um, you, you mentioned an Etsy shop. Just talk about those early days a little bit. Yeah, so it was back around 2014, um, that I first became a software developer and also first discovered uh, processing. And so I would say from 2014 to 2017, I remember sort of taking the train into the city every day for work and just spending that hour uh, into the city and an hour home as my time uh, to either you know, watch downloaded uh, videos of, of uh, the coding train or um, continue to work on my own projects. And by 2017, I must have discovered, or 2016, I had discovered uh, plotters. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was a big moment because um, I had I grew up painting on canvas. Mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, uh, sort of with that art background. And so when I realized not only could I write code that makes art, I yeah. could turn that code into something physical, a physical one of one. Um, and so I absolutely knew I had to pursue that. And with absolutely no expectation sure. of having a career of selling anything, it was just a personal hobby mm -hmm. uh, at the time. And so I, I finally, after a year of ruminating, I finally took the plunge and bought my first uh, AxiDraw and just sort of started experimenting. And very, very quickly, I realized I wanted to figure out how to put paint mm -hmm. on canvas using a plotter mm -hmm. for no reason other than that's what I grew up doing, painting on canvas. So I wanted to figure out, you know, how, how to use a plotter for that purpose. Yeah. Um, and that took me down a whole road of, you know, by, by what means and methods would you uh, be able to carry paint 
in the plotter and deposit it in some way. Um, so I started 3D modeling uh, my own devices. I think I tried uh, hollowed out pen tubes and all kinds of <laughs> contraptions before realizing I needed to sort of design my own uh, mechanism. Uh, so started uh, 3D modeling on the, on the computer, but I would send these 3D models out to companies like Shapeways and wait a few weeks, it would come back. I realized, oh, I had the measurements wrong, you know, and um, then I have to do the whole thing over again. And so that round trip was just too long. It was very slow to, to uh, iterate and improve upon the process. Mm -hmm. So I took the plunge, bought a 3D printer. Mm. So now I have a plotter, a 3D printer. And um, so I just started 3D printing my own uh, paintbrushes and iterating mm. until I could control the flow of the paint better. And yeah, I just started making paintings on canvas. And this yeah. is, again, this is about 2017, 2018. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I, I love the, the way that you've architected your own plotters and try to solve those hard problems. Printing your own, your own pieces uh, is so interesting. Printing the parts of the plotter, I mean, so interesting. Uh, uh, moving ahead a little bit from 2017 or so, how did NFTs uh, sort of come into the mix for you? So I, I don't remember exactly when I learned about NFTs. What I do remember is I was an avid reader of Artgnome, mm, yeah. uh, artgnome.com, and I kept reading NFT, NFT. I did not know what NFT stood for or what it meant, and I would Google it, zero results. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it, it took like effort to yeah. figure out what does NFT even stand for, yeah. let alone like, what does it mean once you understand what it stood for? And I, it was Hicket Nunk that mm -hmm. uh, initially got me started. Mm -hmm. And I remember going on there and just seeing a stream of mints happening. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was trying to figure out what was going on. I, I set up a, a Kukai wallet mm -hmm. and that was sort of the earliest uh, experience I had. And I posted a few pieces and you know nothing, nothing happened and like how do you promote this yeah, and yeah. it was all very you know uh like abstract and i couldn't quite figure it out and um that's just what got me started and and i was just spending a lot of time researching and trying to understand these platforms that mm -hmm. i had never heard of before um you know and where do i fit in you know with generative art and 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 so it was it was a process of discovery that definitely took me a lot of time yeah. uh, to sort of figure it all out. Um, I remember uh, minting my first piece on Ethereum directly on OpenSea. Mm. It was a collection of 12 and it just kind of sat there. I was like, I don't know what I just did, <laughs> but fine. I, I then sourced an invite to foundation mm. because it was invite only at the time. I posted one piece, mm -hmm. 10 days later it sold. And that was the first piece on Ethereum that sold. And mm. that was it. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm starting to figure this out. And I just sort of kept going from there. And did that first piece on foundation, did that cohere to some of the sort of floral work yes. that, that you're quite well known exactly, for? Exactly, yeah. Um, I think the open sea piece was a set of 12 uh, flowers in mm -hmm. different colorways. It was mm -hmm. the same piece in, in 12 colorways. Um, and then the first piece on foundation was a flower mm -hmm. and it sort of snowballed yeah. from there. Yeah. And that, uh, that theme or that focus on, on the flower in particular, where does that come from? Um, you know, I think I've, I've always been, uh, more outdoorsy mm. and, and I find nature to be very 
you know, calming and, and I love going on walks. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly where it comes from. Yeah. Um, but when I, uh, bought my first house, you know, moved my family out of the city and, and, uh, onto Long Island, I started gardening. Mm. So I would plant these flowers every spring. And I think that that's sort of where it came from mm -hmm. is I was, cause I was also photographing the flowers and photography was a big part of my practice. And I've, um, you know, always grown up also with, with painting and photography mm -hmm. as, mm -hmm. as sort of uh, hobbies of mine. Mm -hmm. So uh, photographing these flowers, and then it just felt very natural. Okay, well, I'm gonna transition this into, sure. into some sort of generative art. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's kind yeah. of where it came from. Yeah, fascinating. Okay, moving ahead a little bit, let's talk about Soul, and then, and then we can talk about this show in particular. So Soul, it was a, I think there's 365 pieces in that collection, if I'm not mistaken. Talk to me a little bit about that project and some of the interesting dimensions of that. Yep, so um, so I was uh, sort of offered an opportunity uh, through Foundation to be a launch partner for a new feature that they had called Drops. I hadn't done any uh, sort of larger collections or, or long form work up to yeah. that point. It was one of one digital physicals uh, yeah. that came with paintings on canvas. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this is a great challenge and I'm definitely gonna do this and you know didn't know what I was going to do sure. um, so nature being sort of a theme of mine I didn't necessarily want to do flowers uh, for for that release and I remember seeing something with Andy Warhol and he he had done over 600 one of one screen prints of a sunset mm -hmm. photograph mm -hmm. and for a hotel and I was like, that's really fascinating. And, and I think there's so many examples that we now see of artists sure. who, you know, sort of before the computer age, mm -hmm. um, doing things that generative artists would do today. So I was like, that's really fascinating. And I, I love the concept. I'm gonna try to do a play on that and uh, do, do a, sun, a sunrise series. Along the way, I just felt something was lacking, something was missing. And we have this opportunity with generative art to sort of explore different dimensions yeah with metadata yeah. and, and APIs. And I was, I just had this, I, it must've just come to me, you know, I could probably figure out where the sun will be tomorrow, you know, it, outside my window uh, using an API. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I can. Well, can I figure out where the sun will be, you know, in three weeks sure. in London? And it sort of snowballed from there. Um, so I had to string together a whole bunch of APIs to gather all the data that I needed. And, and it, then it sort of made sense. Well, let's do one for every day of the year, but you don't want to do the same location. Sure. So let's just spread it around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it came from. And, and, you know, then I really debated, um, you know, writing out the metadata mm. on the piece itself, mm -hmm. which I hadn't seen a lot of, you know, sort of mm. text right. uh, on the digital work. It's always in the metadata that, yeah, you, yeah. that you would, you know, query and, and, and filter by and things like that. But I think again, sort of my experience with making physical art yeah. and prints and paintings, it felt very natural to want to write something yeah. uh, underneath the piece. So, a few people had said to me, oh, I think I like it without the writing better. I was like, yeah, I, I went back and forth, yeah. you know, to be honest. Yeah. I, but ultimately, it's what I wanted. And sure. I think as an artist, you have to make art for yourself, not for other people. 
And I felt like it was something I would have enjoyed. So sure. I ended up doing it. And um, yeah, I think it, it worked out. Yeah, I love that series. Um, okay, let's, let's sort of, uh, we'll bring it to the present more or less. Uh, talk to me a little bit, you know, just sort of broadly, uh, what was exciting about participating in this show? So um, it was very exciting to uh, have uh, Proof and Emily reach out to me. Um, I think I haven't done a lot of work with platforms yet, um, you know, sort of in partnership with maybe Foundation. But uh, in terms of like a group show, I hadn't really yeah. done anything. Uh, it was mostly me on my own sort of releasing work. So the opportunity to be part of a group of generative artists that I admire was an opportunity that I could not pass up. Um, so it's beyond exciting for me to work with so many people, um, you know, in the space that I admire and, um, you know, hope to learn from and grow mm -hmm. from and uh, it's just very exciting. And then the work that you're contributing to the show, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the, the work that I'm contributing, um, I don't know how it came about exactly. I did have had a conversation with, with Emily mm -hmm. and, and, you know, maybe she mentioned flowers and that was maybe all I really needed to hear. <laughs> um, and I knew I, you know, I'm constantly evolving uh, the process by which I, I create some of these flowers. Yeah. Um, I've done a few series here and there and uh, some, some small, some bigger, but uh, for this, I wanted to sort of combine what I learned for soul with uh, doing a flower series. Yeah. And I think that's where the, the genesis of this idea came from. Um, and, and this concept of growth, mm. uh, this concept, which I think flowers work perfectly. Um, and as you'll see, the flowers are not just flowers They're They have these central points mm. where sort of all life emerges from. And I think there's, uh, there's a metaphor there for, for growth and potential. And, you know, I, I think even reflective of sort of myself and where I came mm -hmm. from and where I'm trying to go. Um, so that's sort of where this all, this body of work came from. All right, that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.